be angry and do not sin. I have to be honest, I didn't title this talk. It's the verse from the chapter that we're going to be looking at, Psalm 4. That's where I got the title from, Be Angry and Do Not Sin. At the 2015 uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner, the then-President Barack Obama, he was giving the speech addressed to the American media, who he often had tensions with, uh, and he said this. He said, these tensions don't bother me. I'm a mellow guy, so I'm going to introduce my anger translator, Luther. If you know this guy, uh, he, this, this, this role was played by an actor-comedian, Keegan-Michael uh, Key, and, and uh, he basically, this is how it worked. In the middle of his speech, if you've seen the video on YouTube, in the middle of the speech, they do this comedy sketch where uh, the president... Uh, he, he basically says a statement, a very carefully worded, politely, politically correct, formally spoken statement. And after that very statement, this anger translator takes over and he turns that into an angry one. As though trying to speak what is really in the mind of the ex-president. Here, here's, here's how it worked. Uh, Obama started this thing by saying, in a fast-changing world, traditions like the White House Correspondents' Dinner are important. Then the anger translator took over and he said, I mean, really? What is this dinner? Why am I even required to come for it? Right? And this went on, uh, and, and he did a couple of, uh, like a minute or two of this. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had real-life anger translators for us? Right? In, in settings that we have to be like really polite, say the appropriate thing, say the right thing, wouldn't it help if we had an anger translator speak our mind and give it? And we don't get blamed for it, the anger translator does. That would be a cool way to, you know, be angry and not sin, right? But in the real world, anger translators don't exist. Every time we go through a moment when we experience anger, we either tend to suppress what we really feel and be nice and or either we react in the exact opposite way, burst out and express our anger. In the real world, we do not have anger translators. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. How do we deal with it? The Bible says this multiple times. It says, be angry and do not sin. Uh, it was King David who first uh, who first coined this phrase in his Psalm 4 that we're going to be looking at today. And then it is quoted again in the New Testament where uh, Apostle Paul, while speaking to the Ephesian church, he says the same thing. Be angry and do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. What does it mean? How do we do this? If you're not a follower of Jesus, um, King David was a king in the time of the Bible that was written before Jesus came onto the earth. Um, we, he, he was an amazing singer-songwriter. He was an amazing warrior. Uh, he, he, was, he was an amazing king. And it was through, it was, Jesus was one of the descendants of King David several years later. Now, David writes this psalm. We don't know the exact context because 
like in many other psalms where they give the context before and then tell the psalm. We don't have the real context for this, but we know that David is going through a really difficult time. He was distressed. Many Bible scholars believe that it was during the time when David, uh, when he was king towards his later part of his kingship, his son Absalom revolted against him, uh, turned people against him, and those days it was monarchy. The only way he could hit the throne was if his father died. So he goes on this chase to kill David. And David flees the throne and he's hiding with a faithful few that follow him. And, and it was in this difficult time, uh, many Bible scholars believe that David writes this psalm. Let's dive straight in and just read the psalm uh, for us. I, I request Cindy to read the psalm for us. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. And this is God's word. Amen. David is writing the psalm just before going to bed. Isn't that when our thoughts truly surface, when the world is silent? All that we suppressed during the day surface when we hit the bed. And David is writing the psalm just before he's lying down and sleeping. Um, allow me to just pray for us before we start. Father, we uh, truly want to surrender to what you have to do to our hearts this morning. Um, Lord, Holy Spirit, you take these words that was written centuries ago and speak to our hearts in this age and in this day, your word transcends cultures, it transcends generations. And so we, we are here today surrendering to the power of your word. Would you speak to us? Would you deal with our hearts in a way that is pleasing to you? We surrender. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, here's, here are the three things that we're going to be looking at. Very simple. Uh, the first thing is be angry. Second thing is, do not sin. Third thing is, but how? Right? Be angry. Do not sin. How? Did David just say, be angry? Yes, he did. 
Why did he say that? Anger in itself is not a sin. Anger is an emotion that we experience because we are made in God's image. A holy just God feels anger and so do we because we are created in his image. Now sin has corrupted every good thing. So as humans, more often than not, our anger leads to sin. Anger in itself is not sin. That's why we find this command repeated in the Bible. Be angry and do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. So then allow me to ask us this question. How do we be angry? How do we do this? Sadly, I don't think we were ever taught to feel anger in a healthy way. Either we were taught to shut it down and repress our feelings or burst out in expressing it. But the Bible says, be angry. And, and this passage helps us understand how to do this. Here's what David is saying. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Let's break this down. This is countercultural in two ways. Firstly, being silent is probably the last thing we do when we are angry. We live in a culture of outrage. If you are angry, we're not just going to let the other person know about it. Through Twitter and social media, we're going to let the whole world know about it. We live in a culture of outrage. Being silent is the last thing that our hearts feel like doing when we are angry. Secondly, we harbor anger and we don't ponder on it like David is asking us to do. We harbor anger and we don't ponder on it. How are these two different? This passage helps us see it beautifully. I want to share three quick differences on how harboring anger is different from silently pondering on anger. First, when we harbor, we, we're constantly looking to build a case for our own righteousness. We're constantly trying to build a case for why we are right against the person who has hurt us. Isn't this true? Or is it just me? After an argument, don't we go back home and hit a replay on that argument and think of all the slam dunk points that we could have scored against that person and be like, if I just said this, it would have been so much better. When we harbor, we're constantly trying to build a case for our own righteousness. But when we ponder, we run to God as our righteousness and cry out to him. Look at what David is doing in this difficult time. The first thing he's doing, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. 
answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. When we harbor anger, we become our own advocates. When we ponder in on our anger, we realize that we are, we are God's children and we have a much better advocate and our advocate is our righteousness. He himself is our righteousness. We don't need to build a case up for why we are right. He is our righteousness. When we harbor, we try to build our own righteousness. When we ponder, we run to Christ. We run to God as our righteousness. The second thing, how is the psalm is helping us see? When we harbor, we can only see the other person's sin. We are constantly confessing their sin to ourselves. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they said this. Gosh, this is so horrible. That is so insensitive. They must pay for this. I'm going to make them pay. Or if you are Christian, you'll say, God, help them see their sin. Reveal their sin to them. In all this, we are blind to our own sinfulness. When we ponder, we see not just the other person's sin, but God gives us the courage to look at the sin in our own hearts. Look at what David is doing here. In verse 2, after saying, Oh God of my righteousness, answer me when I call. He's looking at the men who, has, who have offended him and, at, and is telling them, How long, O men? How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? He's seeing the offender's sin, but he's not stopping there. In verse 4, he's looking into his own heart and he's saying, ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. He's searching for the sin in his own heart. We're able to do this because God is our righteousness. Because he is our righteousness and it's not based on all the ways that we are right. It frees up to see all the ways in which we are wrong. Because God is our righteousness, not us. When we harbor, we have eyes only to see the other person's sin. When we ponder, God frees us, gives us the courage to look into our own hearts and see our sinfulness along with the other person's sin. And the third, when we harbor, we are too angry to see why we are angry. When we ponder, we go beneath the anger to see why we are angry. Anger is just a surface level emotion. It surfaces because there's something else happening deep on the inside in our hearts. When we harbor anger, we become too blind to see what's happening beneath the surface. Look at what's happening when David ponders. He runs to God as his righteousness and he's able to see what's happening on the inside. He's able to see, oh men, in verse 2, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? Beneath his anger, 
is the shame that he's feeling. His honor being turned to shame. Of course he's angry because they're spreading lies about him. But what is happening in his own heart is he's feeling the shame. Imagine the king. At once people would cry out, David has killed his thousands. Uh, Saul has killed his thousands when David was fighting for Saul. But David killed tens of thousands. People would gather on the streets and sing his praise. He, he was celebrated. But now he's the same guy who's king, who's fled the throne. And people have turned his honor to shame. Friends, in our honor-shame culture, shame can be a really driving force, really powerful driving force to anger. I struggle with this a lot. I struggle with this a lot. I, when I feel ashamed, it surfaces as anger against that person and against everyone in my life in general. What do we find our hearts doing in anger? Are we harboring anger or are we pondering on our anger in silence? The second thing he says, David, he says, do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. How do we sin when we are angry? Sure, we might blow the roof off. Say some pretty cutting, hurtful things which we'll probably regret later. Tear that other person down. Probably it doesn't stop at verbal assaults. Probably it might even turn into physical assaults. Yes, sure, we probably sin in all these ways. Or if you're like me, it's a long-lasting, ongoing, latent anger that is affecting every part of our lives. We might not, we might not outburst and like show and you know shout at people, but we've harbored it, and and it's it's now such a powerful stream flowing deep down in our soul that it's started to affect everything. Even though you're not shouting, people around can see it. If you're angry with family at home, probably you stay stay back late at work. We're not shouting. But that anger is still affecting. If you're angry with someone at work, we don't shout at them. We're waiting for that day when that person needs us. Oh boy. They're going to pay for it that day. Hey. We do sin in both these ways. But here's what David is helping us see. Our primary sin is not this. This is what comes out on the surface level. David is helping us see what our core sin is when we are harboring anger. Look at what he's saying in verse 5. Be angry, do not sin, ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. He's telling his heart filled and struggling with anger, offer right sacrifices, which means worship, and put your trust in the Lord. Why is he saying that? When we harbor anger in our hearts, it affects our worship and we stop trusting God. We stop trusting that he is good, 
that he is sovereign that he indeed has set us apart we see in this passage david's loyal followers are crying out david says there are many who say who will show us some good we do not trust in god in our anger it affects our worship when we harbor anger it affects our worship and we stop trusting in god and that is why david is preaching this to his own heart be angry do not sin ponder in your hearts and be silent offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the lord you know paul trip an amazing uh, preacher of the bible uh, in, he builds on this thought and he says no matter where we express our anger if we claim to believe in a sovereign god who is in control of everything our anger is with god no matter where we express it who we show it on if we claim to believe in a sovereign god and we are harboring that anger our anger is against god can't believe you allowed this in my life now we might not say it we might not look at god and say i'm angry with you but it affects our worship it shows up first in our worship i still remember very clearly i think it was in my mid teens uh for about a better part of a year my personal worship and faith went for a complete toss let me give you a little bit of context i grew up a church kid i grew up a pastor's kid always active always served i don't remember ever missing church at all exam the next day don't care honor god first be at church but something happened and my heart was filled with hurt and anger and the first thing it did was step away from church step away from my daily devotion my daily bible reading you know i still went to church but singing those songs was difficult listening to those sermons was really difficult you know what the hardest part was staying back after church and hanging out with the same people who hurt me i stepped away completely and i did some pretty messed up things during that one year the first thing i did was step away from god and my personal worship i wish i could say that my struggle with harboring anger ended then but i sadly hasn't i still struggle with it sometimes and it impacts my worship i might do a masterful job of masking it pretending that it's all okay but there are times in the night like david when the noise of the world shuts down every feeling of anger so anger and hurt that i've repressed and suppressed surfaces and i'm really really angry 
you know my wife is a testimony to this struggle of mine and i'm really grateful to her because during that time when when i struggle and these feelings surface back when i'm harboring she asks me questions god uses her as his channel to ask me questions which turn my harboring into pondering in the bed you can do two things either you can harbor anger or you can ponder on them why am i angry who is my righteousness friends more often than not these conversations with my wife end it end in you need to process this with god you need to process this with god and i struggle to do that i struggle to do that friends david is telling his own heart in the midst of this really difficult time ponder in your own hearts and then turn worship and put your trust in the lord put your trust in the lord and that is why in the midst notice the situation hasn't changed yet notice that people are have not turned their faces around and have now turned on david's side and want to put him back on the throne no it is still in the midst of his distress he says you are my righteousness you set me apart you hear me when i cry and in the midst of the distress he's able to experience the joy of the lord notice what he's saying how do we respond when the person we are with we are angry with when the person we are hurting against is having a gala time in their life joy is the last thing we feel but here's david he's saying you have put more joy in my heart in the cave when he's fleeing he says you have put more joy in the in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound and he says in peace i will both lie down and sleep this is what happens when we ponder in our anger and turn to god and worship and preach to our souls put your trust in the lord put your trust in the lord this is such a hard thing to do this is such a hard thing to do i mean as christians uh, one of the one of the most important things that we learn is forgiveness right we we need to forgive the person who's hurt us yes forgiveness is important but because we have not learned to deal our deal with our anger in the presence of the lord our forgiveness is absolutely weak and powerless the moment that person hurts us again everything that we have forgiven comes back to the surface and we attack them yes we must forgive but if we haven't learned to deal with our anger in the presence of the lord run to him as our righteousness to him as our source of joy and peace 
our forgiveness is absolutely going to be powerless the moment the next trouble comes up so how do we grow in this grace of experiencing anger and not sinning in it how do we do this friends let's be honest sometimes don't we look at certain chapters in the bible especially the psalms when david is being absolutely next level spiritual and even though he's going through the hardest time he's saying i put my trust in you lord you are the lifter of lifter of my head i'm just like my faith is not like this this is way too much for me i, I I am not my faith is not like David I am not the man after God's own heart I mean I can't do this and I'm pretty sure psalms like this are such psalms how lord when I'm hurting how do I do this friends if you're in this place today allow me to help us see that David is not our ultimate source of inspiration this very david we know that he struggled with some pretty terrible things he's like us but this psalm is a proof not of david's faith but of god's grace that shines in our weakness this psalm is not ultimately about david but it is ultimately about christ jesus the better david the better king christ jesus who was not chased away from his throne but willingly left his throne this perfect jesus this perfect david this better king would have been absolutely just to come and destroy each and every one of us because god experiences anger in his sin but jesus this better king came and absorbed all the anger that we so rightly deserve and god would be absolutely not sinning in doing in destroying each and every one of us this better david left his throne came down stepped in the mess of these these really horrible wretched sinners and said i will absorb the anger i will take it so that you god can look at you with favor that god a holy god can accept and love you friends jesus became the object of god's just anger and that is why he is our righteousness today friends i know david wrote this psalm but this psalm means so much more to us today because of jesus because we look at look at what david is saying in verse 1 he's saying david he called out to god and he said god of my righteousness 
but today we know that god is our righteousness for a fact because jesus clothes us in his righteousness david says in verse 3 god you set me apart and you hear me when i cry but we know this for a fact because jesus bought us with his own blood set us apart and now we know that every cry of ours because when jesus was hanging on that cross and he cried like king david god turned his face away so that he can hear your cry and mine we know this for a fact that god hears every cry of ours because jesus's cry on the cross went unheard and he was forsaken in verse 6 when david asked god light show us your face lift up the light of your face upon us we know for a fact that there is not a moment that are when we are struggling with anger and our faces are frowning there is not a moment that we are not met with god's face of absolute pleasure and love he shines his face upon us while we are struggling in the midst of our sinfulness and the joy that david experiences the peace that he experiences in verse 8 even in the midst of his turmoil is no longer a subjective concept for us but it's an objective reality of the peace that jesus bought for us between a, a wretched human and an absolutely perfect god so that the peace that we can experience today is not a subjective peace but it's an objective reality of what jesus achieved for us on the cross followers of jesus this is all we need when we are struggling in the midst of our anger when we are when we are harboring it when we are when we are turning bitter and and it's affecting every other area of our lives this is all we need to know for our harboring to turn into our pondering and running to jesus say god you are my righteousness in the midst of my distress you are my joy you are my peace this is how we can experience anger but not sin if you're not a follower of jesus this morning what can you take away from this you know this concept of an angry god if i mess up he will punish me this concept of an angry god is not a foreign concept in our faith systems every faith system that we have today tells us if you mess up you will be punished rightly so if god is holy and he can't look at sin he and, and he's just he must punish sin here's how jesus is different he felt the anger towards our sin but he acted in love towards you and i when he absorbed that anger that punitive anger 
upon himself so that you and I can experience love today. He's the only one in history, the only God to do so. And here's the best part. He doesn't scare us into transformation once he saves us. He doesn't say, if you don't change, this is it. He doesn't scare us into transformation. He loves us into transformation. Time and again when we fail, time and again, he comes and he never gives up on us. He doesn't scare us into transformation. He loves us into it. Would you like to embrace this Jesus today? Allow me to pray even as I close. Lord, you know the ugliness of our hearts. You know how difficult it is in our own selves to, to feel anger and not sin in it. But we thank you for your grace, your transformative grace that, that is so strong that, is, that our weakness, our sin is absolutely powerless in front of it. So, Lord, would we surrender? We surrender. Would you help us? Our power is indeed small. We are children of weakness. Lord, would you help us? Fill us with your strength to experience this, this emotion, this good godly emotion of anger and not sin in it. Help us to run to you, Jesus. You are our righteousness. You are the only one who fills our heart with joy and peace in the midst of our turmoil. Help us to run to you. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You have the words of life. So we come, we surrender, take over our hearts. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.